Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. I was determined that I was going to keep this child alive. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski and a host of your program. Today I have a very special guest. This is a mom of a dear friend of mine. Today we will be meeting Roseanne Franco and today's episode is called A Family of Faith. Roseanne Franco is heart mom to David Franco. She was born in Manhattan, New York and currently resides in central Connecticut. Roseanne had five children, Roseanne, Vincent, Andrew, David, and Philip, and was married to Frederick for over four decades. Roseanne is also a grandmother to 11 grandchildren, 10 heart-healthy children, and one angel. Roseanne spends her time reading, still mothering her children and grandchildren, and helping out at her church. Today, Roseanne will talk with us about discovering that she had a son with a heart defect, her family history of congenital heart defects, and the difficult birth and miracle that happened in her life. So welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna Roseanne. Thank you very much, Anna. For those of you who don't know, David Franco is my producer, and I kind of feel like his mom is my mom because she doesn't know this, but we talk about her all the time. (laughs) So I feel like I know you, Roseanne. And of course, I've interviewed your daughter in the past, and I've interviewed your son. I kind of feel like I'm an extended part of the family. You are. (laughs) Well, I can't wait for us to talk about David because you have seen so much. So let's just get right into it. David was born with a fairly rare congenital heart defect called congenitally corrected transposition of the great arteries or what some people call LTGA today. Did any of your other children have a heart defect? My first two children, Roseanne and Vincent, were born with what they call PDAs, patent ductus arteriosus. Mm-hmm. My daughters did not close up till she was about two. On Vincent, it almost closed immediately. Oh, wow. And my youngest son, Philip, was born with a VSD, which self-closed. Okay. Okay, which is very common for those listeners who may not know this. ASDs and VSDs are what are commonly called holes in the heart are the most common types of heart defects. And just like what Roseanne experienced, a lot of these children's holes will just close up on their own. So that was Mm -hmm. reassuring to you, I'm certain, after having seen David have to go through so many surgeries. I'm sure you were relieved to find out that your other son's hole was able to close up on its own. Yes, absolutely. But you said that Roseanne had a PDA that did not close. Did she eventually need surgery for that? 
No, it did eventually close, but she was around two years old. They were talking about maybe having to do some sort of surgery. Back in the day, they didn't tell me much. Right. And we just prayed a lot. Mm -hmm. Thanks be to God, it did close. Right. So how much older than David was Roseanne? Ten years older. Okay, so she was born in the 50s. So I'm sure they didn't tell you a whole lot of information. I'm amazed they even knew that she had the PDA and were able to determine when it was closed. Well, Roseanne was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it was picked up by a pediatrician there. Not too many years later, we moved back to the New York area, to Westchester County, and I had a doctor in New York City, and they picked it up. It was a doctor that my sister had had and I had had. She was just very good. Do heart defects run in your family? Did you or your sister or any of the other people in your family have a heart defect? Apparently, my mother did. They picked it up when my mother tried to enlist in the Navy. I don't know what it was, but that kept her out of the Navy. My sister, who was 10 years older than I, was born with, nobody diagnosed it for years, but she had a severe heart defect. She wound up with, I believe it's called Tritology of Fallot. Oh, wow. But she had had many other surgeries, and they never picked it up, even getting her ready for surgeries. She had osteomyelitis, so she had many, many surgeries on her legs. Isn't that amazing that they didn't pick up? Because Tetralogy of Fallot is a fairly severe congenital heart defect. Yes. Then she had, quote-unquote, rheumatic fever, which led to a a variety of things. She just wasn't well. She wasn't well. But eventually, in 1960... It was determined they were going to do open-heart surgery on her. She was in severe heart failure. I came in from Cincinnati. She was operated on, interestingly enough, David's birthday, the 19th of December. But she died on the 21st. Oh, I'm so sorry. uh, Yes. I think the surgeon said to my parents, that all my sister's organs were like the organs of a, a really old person, I guess because her heart was working so hard mm-hmm. for so many years. Right. That was the first that anybody knew of anything like that in the family. Wow. So you lose your sister, and then you discover you have a son who also has a heart defect. That must have been terrifying for you, Roseanne. It was. Thanks be to God. His dad was a great support for me and for David. I did the hospital stuff with David, whereas my husband supported us through that. I was blessed that way. But, you know, Anna, you do what you have to do, and sometimes you just do it. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Well, I know we have a really interesting story coming up about David's birth, but everyone's (laughs) going to have to wait. We'll be right back. Texas Heart Institute were offering us a mechanical heart and he said, no, Dad, I've had enough. Give it to someone who's worthy. My father promised me a golden dress to twirl in. He held my hand and asked me where I wanted to go. Whatever strife or conflict that we experienced in our long career together was always healed by humor. 
Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Before the break, Roseanne, we were talking about the unique circumstances of your family, and I can't help but feel that your sister was maybe a guardian angel watching over David. We know that she passed away on David's birthday, but it was prior to the year of his birth. Why don't you tell us about what happened the day David was born? It was, I guess you could almost say a comedy of errors. During the pregnancy, I wasn't well. I wasn't sick, but I wasn't well. Ordinarily, when I am pregnant, everybody says, you really look great. My hair is wonderful, my skin and everything else. I never gained much weight. With David's pregnancy, it was just a little off, and I don't know what that was about. Nonetheless, my obstetrician knew that he was breech position as it was coming toward the end. So he was to be born on such and such a date, but then the night he was born, my husband and I had friends over, Ruth and Al Wells, to dinner. The kids were in bed. It was a late dinner, and I can remember it was roast pork and sauerkraut, but of course we did have Manhattans before we had that (laughs) cleaned up. They went home, so we're in bed, and I thought, I think I need to get up to go to the loo, which I did. And I realized that I had what's called a showing of blood, which I'd never had with any of the other pregnancies before delivery. All of a sudden, I'm feeling something. I got back into bed and I said, Freddie, I think something's happening. And with that, he got up and immediately got on the telephone and called the doctor. But in the meantime, I guess he decided he was going to take a look, and he realized he could see the baby was coming, and he cut my nightgown right in half, and he's on the telephone talking to the doctor, and I could feel the baby coming, but then all of a sudden everything stopped. Oh, my goodness. My husband said to the doctor, the baby is coming. Wow. He could see that. And I'll be very honest with you. I realized if this baby is not fully born within a certain amount of time, don't ask me why the instinct. I thought the oxygen's going to be cut off. Right. So I said a prayer and I started pushing manually with my hands to push the baby out. And I didn't realize I was pushing on his head. 
Oh, my goodness. Maybe that's why he's so smart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow. So there he was born. And then it was really a comedy of errors because my... So your husband delivered the baby? Nobody did. I did. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, Roseanne. That is amazing. You were able to deliver him yourself? I literally pushed him out with my hands, yes. Wow. Now, this is your third child. Is that right? No, my fourth. Your fourth. So you'd had some experience delivering babies, but I bet you'd never thought you would deliver your own baby. Absolutely not. Wow. Were the births of your other children fast like that? No, no. None of them were precipitous at all. Wow. As a matter of fact, I'd go into labor and it would stop and then... Yeah, yeah. Like it's like a typical birth. This was not a typical birth whatsoever. No. But I do believe that it was providential because if I had gone to the hospital, they would have given me anesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't think that would have helped David. No. Considering. Right. Well, they may have had you have a C-section. Yes. I'm sure they would have with a breech Mm -hmm. birth. Wow. Do you think when you were pushing on him that you changed his position from breech to... No. His buttocks came out first. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. Did you deliver the afterbirth or did you have that done at the hospital? That part is very cloudy. Yeah. For me. I'm surprised you were able to do what you did. I'd have fainted. I'd have been out <laughs> conscious no. on the floor. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You you know that you're going to save your child. Well, yeah. You know. It's amazing the super strength you can muster when you have no choice. You really didn't. It sounds like you really didn't have a choice. So your husband took you to the hospital. Did your husband mm-hmm. cut the cord or did you? Oh, no. Your husband did not take you. Did you have an ambulance come pick you up? Yes. Well, that's with a comedy of errors. You had to call the police. We're in Hastings on Hudson. It's a small village town in Westchester County. And you call the police and then the ambulance comes. It's a volunteer ambulance. Oh, my goodness. Yes. The police came to check on this thing. And then luckily, the policeman who came in, He was the sergeant at the time, and he had a family. So he took David in a towel and wrapped him up, just stuck him on top of me. The ambulance came in, the crew came in with the gurney, and we lived in a very old house. (laughs) It was hard to get me down the stairs and everything else. Oh, my goodness. There David was in this towel, and I kept lifting this woolen blanket up thinking I'm giving him air. But no, the cord was not cut. So that didn't happen until we got to the hospital. And then they said that he was septic, I was septic. We were separated then. He was put in a special place. But nobody diagnosed the heart thing then. You're kidding. So he was not blue. Then he must have been pink when he was born and nobody Mm -hmm. diagnosed the heart defect. Wow. So when did they discover that David had a heart defect? My pediatrician came to the hospital, checked him out. 
right afterwards. This is aside from the fact my obstetrician came to that hospital, but he didn't have privileges, so they didn't let him in. He could only see me on the floor visiting me as if I were not his patient. Oh, my goodness. I told you it was a comedy of errors. Oh, my goodness, yes. So then on the first visit, you go to the pediatrician. It was three weeks later, and Dr. Untrack listened, and he said he could hear this. I think he called it at the time a thrill. I'm not sure. And he gave me orders, so to speak, to make an appointment with Dr. Dennison Young. He was a pediatric cardiologist, and that was the first time he was diagnosed. Then we went to see Dr. Young. By this time, David's, I guess, four weeks old, and then they did a fluoroscopy. I can remember they put him in a sling in front of that screen for the Mm -hmm. fluoroscopy Mm -hmm. and fed him that, it's like a milk of magnesia thing for the film, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which he was not too happy about. I'm sure. (laughs) So then that day, Dr. Young told me that David had this VSD, ventricular septal defect, and we had to schedule a catheterization. He was three months old when he had that cardiac catheterization at Montefiore Hospital in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And apparently, from what they told me afterwards, David's veins were very narrow, and whatever liquid they gave him for the contrast or whatever it is that they did, that he was comatose. So, oh my goodness. He was in an select for, I've forgotten, about a week and a half. Oh my goodness. And well, were you nursing him at that time? No. So you were using formula? Yes. Was he, how was he feeding before you took him in to see the pediatrician? Was he feeding normally? Yes, he was. And he was gaining weight and everything? Yes. And of course, he was never blue. He was never cyanotic at all, even through his whole life, even through his whole life. What a miracle that they discovered that he had some heart defects, decided to go ahead and do the fluoroscopy, but then put him in a coma. You must have been terrified. Hi, my name is Jamie Alcroft, and I just published my new book, The Tin Man Diaries. It's an amazing story of my sudden change of heart as I went through a heart and liver transplant. I can think of no better way to read The Tin Man Diaries than to cuddle up in your favorite Hearts Unite the Globe sweatshirt and your favorite hot beverage, of course, in your Hearts Unite the Globe mug, both of which are available at the Hug Podcast Network online store, or visit heartsunitetheglobe.org. Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. 
Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. So you had a son in the hospital who was comatose, and I know you had something else very tragic happen to you at that time. Tell us a little bit about losing your mom and how that played into all of this other drama that you were going through, Roseanne. It's really quite remarkable that the day that I was taking David to Montefiore Hospital for the catheterization, we were getting ready in the morning and I had a call from the doctor in Brooklyn The same doctor I mentioned earlier, Dr. Rothenberger, she called me to tell me that my mother had a very severe stroke and they had taken her to the hospital. This is the same day I'm taking David down to Montefiore Hospital to have this cardiac catheterization. Wow. So David goes through the catheterization with the results that whatever the reason was, He was comatose afterwards. And that meant my mother was in the hospital in Brooklyn. David's in the hospital in the Bronx. So it meant going back and forth. But my mother did not survive in the hospital except probably about four days. And your son was still in the hospital. Oh, yes. Across town. Wow. Yes. Wow. Now, this all happened in Holy Week. (laughs) Oh, oh my goodness. So you're trying to go to Mass on top of all of this. Well, and then my mother's funeral was on Holy Thursday, but they couldn't have a Mass. So the whole thing was a little bizarre. Then David came home from the hospital. So he just woke up one day? I mean, he's in this coma. What, What happened? How did he was in an isolate. He was on oxygen and, and probably an and... IV drip. So, I mean, I'm just trying to picture this, this poor yeah. little baby. He's, what, four months mm-hmm. old? And they don't even know why. No, he was three months. He was oh, three he was months old. Three months old. And mm-hmm. he's comatose. They must have been panicked, too, because I'm sure they didn't see many kids like David way back no. in the 60s. So they're... They're trying to take care of him. You're rushing back and forth. You lose your mother and you come back from the funeral. Your son is still in an isolate, in the ICU. How did he improve? I mean, what happened? I I don't know because back in the day, I, you couldn't always go into that area with the isolates. Right. You know, the incubators and all that stuff. They didn't allow you that kind of freedom that they do now right. in these NICUs. Yeah. It was entirely different. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I could be there, but if they were going to do any kind of a treatment, you had to get out right. of that room. Right. And you weren't allowed to sleep in with the baby. You had to go oh, home no. for the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Parents today have no idea how restrictive things were back then, and I know that because my son was born in the nineties, and they were restrictive with me. But I know they were more restrictive with you in the sixties. Yes, even beyond that, different times when David would be in Montefiore Hospital with oxygen. I mean, he'd be a little bit older, maybe seven, and、uh, they'd have the tent, the plastic tent. I used to go and visit him and stick my hand in to hold on to him,、oh. and the nurses would come and say, "You can't do that," and they'd zip him up again. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because、yeah, you wanted that skin-to-skin -skin contact, and now we、Absolutely. know how important that is. It's so funny because、exactly. my daughter-in-law just gave birth to my first grandbaby in December of 2018. And that was the thing that they kept saying. And in fact, there was even a bulletin board in the hallway that had a poster talking about skin to skin. And so, as soon as a baby was born, they gave her the baby to hold. They wanted the mama and the baby to be skin、yeah. to skin. And then later, they let Joey, my son, hold the baby skin to skin. He opened his shirt、mm -hmm. so he could have the baby、yeah. skin to skin. So the fact、yeah. that you had David in a towel. Skin to skin with you before you had to take him to the、mm -hmm. hospital. See, you were you you were doing exactly what they're saying nowadays. We should be doing, <laughs> and them not letting you hold him and not letting you put your hand in there to touch him. That's wrong, and they know that now. But that's、yeah. that's so interesting. Okay, I just I am just stunned by the course of events that your family had to go through. Talk about a roller coaster ride of the elation of having a baby and you delivering the baby safely. That is a miracle in and of itself. Then losing your mother—it doesn't get much lower than that—and then almost losing your son to going up into the high where now you can take the baby home. What was the biggest、mm -hmm. lesson that you learned going through this formative time in David's life? The lesson I learned was that it was a miracle that、mm -hmm. he had survived.、Mm -hmm. I was determined that I was going to keep this child alive. Yeah, and he did survive. And I was afraid I wasn't adequate at this, but there was no one else to do it. I mean,、right. his mother、yeah. he was at home. And your husband wasn't able to really help you at that time. Was your husband at work when you were trying to do this? Yes, he was at work, and、mm -hmm. the other children were at school. Sure, but you just have to carry on. You can't fall to pieces because nobody else is going to be there. Actually, you just know that it's what you have to do to keep your child alive,、mm -hmm. and that's what it's all about. What I hear from you is that faith played a huge role in your life. Absolutely. Without it, I don't. I definitely couldn't have gotten through, and David couldn't have gotten through. That's for sure.、Mm -hmm. And it was faith that you had that kept you going. And I can't help but wonder. All of this was happening to David during Holy Week. I can't help but feel that God had His hand on David. Yes, I believe that. A little further on in his life, I really believed that God kept him alive because he had a purpose, and I think he has been fulfilling the purpose, the mission that God has for him, going through what he has gone through all his life.
and trying to help other people with congenital heart defects. And I really believe that he has a mission and he's doing it. He's in the mission. I think he is too. For those of you who are listening who don't know, David is the producer of my program and he is also frequently the sound engineer. So David wears multiple hats with Hearts Unite the Globe, which is the nonprofit that pays for us to have this free podcast available to anyone in a heart community. And I do believe that his whole story is very special and very unique and also very inspiring. Did you know that I'm asking David to write for a book that I'm putting together? He mentioned something, mm-hmm. but he he always plays himself down. I know. Feel... Why does he do that? <laughs> I don't know. He's too self-deprecating. We, we need to work on David. He has a very yeah. special story, and he's a huge inspiration to me. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Part two will be next week, but we have to end this show today. Thank you so much, Roseanne, for coming on the program today. Thank you for having me. That does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Find us on iHeartRadio and subscribe. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.